Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. I'm just so thankful for this season of church um, in the ballroom. This is so beautiful. I love I love that like all the windows are open. Like we're always so used to being in the theater in the dark and the vibing lights, and it's awesome. And um, but I think it's so beautiful. We're in here, all the lights are on, we're all seen, right? And I think that is so beautiful that we can worship and lift our hands and everybody sees us. It's not about being it's not not about being hidden in plain sight, it's about being hidden in his presence. And when we lift our hands in a place like this with the lights on, I think it just does something in our soul and it says something about this church that it doesn't matter what the setting, doesn't matter what the band, doesn't matter what the song. God is worthy to be praised in every single environment. And so it's just been so cool to do that with this church and in this place. Um, I'm going to introduce myself. I'm, I'm Bobby Walker and I'm the worship pastor here at Grace City Tampa. And uh, just so... So it's like it's a dream and if you would have told me at age 15 or 10 years ago I was going to be the worship pastor with my beautiful wife Kenzie um, here in, in, in Tampa in an awesome theater it just it's all a dream and so I'm trying to pitch myself every day and, and I'm singing wake me up wake me up inside Evanescence anybody wake me up <laughs> so dramatic Wake me up, though. Seriously, this is a dream. And, um, yeah, it just is such an honor to be here. I honor the creative team. Thank you so much, everybody on production. Can we give it up for the production team, the worship team, the communications team? Everybody just gives their life to this place. I want to honor my wife, Kenzie, who is the creative pastor overseeing it all, is the brains, is the discernment behind everything. And we just love you, Kenzie. I love you as my wife. We're about to have a baby in October. A baby boy. Come on, baby boy. October 4th, 10-4 on that. All right? And uh, if you caught that, you, you caught that. Um, and then just lastly, can we just give it up for the best lead pastors? Pastors Alex and Brianna Damari. Best pastors empower people, empower people to use their gifts, but also they're in the thick of it with all of us. They're not just here when they got to be here. They're here when the lights got to be turned on, when the lights got to be turned off. They're in it with us, and I just am so thankful for both of you. Um, just amazing, and the whole church benefits from having such genuine, authentic pastors. Um, this sermon I'm about to speak is part four and in the last part of our Heart of Worship series, and um, what a beautiful series it's been. Um, Pastor Alex opened up with who we worship the first week, uh, and then my gorgeous wife, Kenzie, brought the second sermon the second week, which was why we worship. And then last week, Pastor Alex did um, where we worship. And then today, and, and this is the final sermon of the series, uh, we're going to talk about when we worship. I'm excited to bring this word. And if you are taking notes, um, that is what you can title the notes, when we worship. 
talk about when we worship, the moments that are obvious. Obviously, first couple songs of church, that's when we worship, of course, at 9.30 a.m. on a Sunday. Of course, we're going to come worship. Of course, we're going to get in a place and get in his presence. But we're going to talk also about what are, the, what are the times that we worship that are the most unlikely moments to worship. I think a lot of us need to grow, and myself included. I need to worship not just when I hear the song. I need to worship not when I turn on a playlist, not when I step into church, but I need to worship in the, in the, in the times of my life where it's like the last thing I want to do. When things aren't going my way, when things are frustrating me, we've got to worship in the most unlikely moments. I pray and I know that when that is our posture and that's our perspective, the fruit of our lives is exponential. And I've seen it for myself. And so that is what we're going to talk about today when we worship. And we're going to open up our Bibles, if you would, to Acts 16, 16 through 26. And this passage I'm going to read is all about a moment where somebody named Paul and Silas were in prison and they set an example of how to worship and when to worship in an unlikely moment. Let me read, starting at verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them out before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. My favorite part. About midnight though, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. My prayer today is that we would learn to worship in the most unlikely times so that not only your chains come loose, but everybody in the vicinity of where you are, everybody that's going through a broken time, everybody that's been bound by addiction for ages, all of those chains come loose because you chose to worship in an unlikely time, in an unlikely moment, when you didn't feel like it. The power.
power behind that is just God. It's just God. That's just what he does. It's not our power, but it is his power that works through us in those moments. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we invite you into this place, into this room. Lord, would your name be magnified? Lord, would you teach us what it means to be a true worshiper? What it means to worship in the most unlikely of times? Jesus, we love you so much and we give you this day. We give you our lives. Have your way in this message. Let my words fall to the floor and let your face be seen and known. In Jesus' name we all said, amen. Amen. Woo. Okay, let's do this. So when we worship, I grew up in a town called Puyallup, Washington. And that is like a weird, like Puyallup, like most people don't know how to say it. Um, The only cool thing that's there is like this weird fairgrounds that happens two weeks out of the year. Takes up like acres of land. Takes up like acres of land and then it's open for two weeks. Probably pretty hard to pay that tax bill. Um, But I think it's still like, it's part of my story. It's where I'm from, Puyallup, Washington. I know Alex and Brianna know Puyallup. They were uh, on staff at a church, same church I grew up in. Pastor Andrew Gard over in Lakeland. Pastor Chase Wagner, the worship pastor over there, my best friend. We all grew up in Puyallup, Washington. Um, and a bunch of other people, and somehow God uh, just did his thing, and a lot of us moved from uh, weird town Puyallup to weird town Lakeland, Florida. Um, So weird town to weird town. Um, But, uh, man, it just was a place. uh, That's where I learned how to worship. That's where I learned my faith. Um, And for whatever reason, there was just a move of God in that town uh, that marked my life forever forever. And it makes me the person that I am today. And um, we had a youth ministry um, I grew up in. Started playing drums at the age of like nine in the church. Um, but fast forward kind of to the uh, middle school era of my life. We had a youth ministry. was playing drums. Chase was leading worship. Um, and we just saw moves of God um, on the weekly. Uh, we'd, we'd do conferences. We would, uh, we would be at summer camps leading worship and and it's just where we wanted to be all the time. And we couldn't figure it out. Why? Because it's just like, you know, it's just church. And it's like the same thing over and over again. Like saying, like, we're just playing a set. We're just, but there was something so fulfilling about it. Uh, couldn't put your finger on it, but I just kept showing up. I loved it. And I think what's amazing to look back on is although I was doing the same thing every week, I was getting up on the drums, going through the rhythms of life, doing church, but still experiencing hardship, still experiencing all the things we as people experience that are not fun. But for some reason, I had this joy while doing it. It's because I saw the Holy Spirit at work in my life in real time. And it was to the point of no return. It was crazy to be a part of a youth ministry where I would show up and I'd get on the drums and I'd look out and I'd see my whole entire public school football team. Quarterbacks coming and get saved. Head cheerleaders getting saved. Cheer, like cheer teams here. Like I'm just like, this is crazy. This is not normal. And 
I think like it just does something to your soul to watch that happen before your eyes. And I started to realize, oh, this isn't about drums. This isn't about coming here and like playing some music. Like I love it, but like there is something way bigger happening right now. Like God's power and God's Holy Spirit is working so much that it's, it's literally changing the lives of the most unlikely people. Like people that are like, yeah, they don't have a great home life. A lot of people have a broken home life, but they're coming in a place like church and I'm watching God change their life. That's why I kept doing it over and over again. I see life change happening. And Chase and I, we put out these, um, you know, from, from that point, we were, we were writing music, even in our youth ministry, and, and putting out live albums and, and writing songs about the things that God was doing. Um, but every time we would release an album, which we've got a new one coming out, Grace City Music releasing Send the Rain in September at Grace City Conference. But we're going to put it out, and every time we, we, we put out a record, Chase is always like, do you think anyone's going to care? Do you think, think, think people are going to listen to it? I'm like, ah, it'll probably be the same thing as, like, the last, like, ten. You know, like, we put it out, and, like, for two weeks, people were pretty pumped on it, but then, like, Taylor Swift drops another record, and all the Swifties come out and ruin everything. But it wasn't about the return. It wasn't about what we got in return and what we felt. It was all about just God being glorified. It was all about the act of worshiping him. I wasn't filled by the return of what an album did, but I was filled by the Holy Spirit, by doing kingdom work. Because when it's for God, that's when you're fulfilled. No matter what it is, you could be doing the same thing over and over again, but what kept me coming back? What keeps me doing it? What keeps me from not stopping this process and why am I doing the same thing that I was doing when I was 15 and I'm doing the same thing as a 30 year old it's because God's been my sustainer he's fulfilled me every moment no matter the routine no matter the repetitiveness of it that's what happens when you do stuff for God you don't go to the next thing a lot of times we get so fixated on the new like oh I gotta get a new job I don't like this job Put it in God's hands. Let him sustain you. And you will be able to show up every day, day in and day out, and feel fulfilled because you're giving it to God, because you're doing it for the glory of God. You're seeing a ministry in what you are doing. And we've got to shift our perspective. I want to move on from this, and it kind of takes me into all these moments of repetitiveness. All of this represents an unlikely invitation of when to worship. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. We worship in the mundane. We stray away from seeing these moments as worship because they might lack the immediate fruit or results. But have longevity. Let God be your sustainer and you will see fruit. Might not happen overnight, but it will happen because you've put it in his hands. It's all a chance to worship him. No matter what it is, what you were doing, putting your hands to, when it's worship unto God, it's a cup filler, no matter what the physical return is. 
You have to keep worshiping him with all that God put in your hands, even if it feels like you are doing the same thing over and over again. And continuing to worship in the mundane does powerful things to your spirit. I have this water jug. It's, um, <laughs> so for a while I was carrying this thing around and Kenzie would get so annoyed because it's not like it fits in like any cup holder in the car. So it just would be like sitting in the console and it, you know, she'd be trying to like reach around and get her coffee and stuff or whatever. And I'd be like, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's just this big jug, man. And the reason I started carrying this jug is because Kenzie and I like to start these new diets. Like we've done Arbon before, we've done Whole30. We usually last like 10, so we do like Whole10. <laughs> um, you know, but hey, I felt like I wanted to try the challenge where you drink a gallon of water a day and it's supposed to make you healthy, I guess, you know? because I'm just drinking coffee by the gallon and that's not doing any good. <laughs> but I needed to do something. So I, I was like, I'm gonna do the water challenge. And what's, what's awesome is our bodies are made up of water, right? So when we put back in it what we are made of and what our body is able to consume, then we are replenished and then we are fulfilled and we're not thirsty anymore, right? So when we drink water, and we have water at our disposal, we're putting the right things back. If we don't have water, we're reaching for coffee, we're reaching for Sprite, Coca-Cola, Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. My father-in-law loves Mountain Dew <laughs> a lot. And so the same way the water jug works is the same way that the Holy Spirit works. Our temple needs the Holy Spirit. And when we don't have the Holy Spirit readily available, we're reaching for other things to fulfill our satisfaction. We're worshiping other stuff. We're worshiping our successes. We're worshiping our possessions. We're worshiping anything and everything. And what happens every time we do that? We're empty. We're empty. Although this water jug is like super inconvenient to, to haul around, it's ready and available for me to drink it if I am thirsty. If you're thirsty today and if you are dry of the Holy Spirit, he is ready and available for you to drink from it. There's a verse that says, John 4:14, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We've got to drink from the Holy Spirit at every moment of every day, and you will find fulfillment. The moment you, I know we like to say, we got to be hungry for God, we got to be thirsty. The moment you are thirsty, you've already gone too far the wrong way. You should never be thirsty. You should always replenish yourself of the Holy Spirit to the point where you're not thirsty. When I'm doing this water jug challenge, I'm chugging this thing all day, and I'm like, I'm not thirsty at all. But my body's getting what it needs. Your temple gets what it needs so that in the times of stress, in the times of worry, in the times of where, where you're feeling like you have no hope, you've got hope. You've got the Holy Spirit running through you, flowing through you, and flowing out of you, and it's changing everything about your life. So no matter what it is you find yourself doing in life, when it's focused around exalting and magnifying him, you will find yourself sustained, expectant, excited, and satisfied simply because filling your soul with the exact contents it's designed to consume.
Another moment, an unlikely time of when we need to worship is in our brokenness. In our brokenness. That one's pretty obvious, but we miss it a lot of times. We don't want to worship in our brokenness. When I was 13, my parents went through a divorce, and before my parents were in a divorce, I had a pretty normal life. My life looked a lot like my friends who had two-story houses and a bedroom and a, their own bed to sleep in. And, you know, when my parents uh, went through their divorce, I lost that, like that normality. Uh, my mom and I moved out of our two-story house, and we moved into like a 500-square-foot, one-bedroom house. My mom took the bedroom, and I slept in the living room from seventh grade to senior year. I slept on a couch. And, you know, I never thought about it. I could have stood there and gone, God, why did you let this happen? I'm sleeping on a couch. But I didn't look at it that way. I didn't have that perspective because God's house was sustaining me and giving me the joy that I needed. If, if you would have looked at me as a 13-year-old, you would have said, that kid is like the most joyful kid I've ever seen. Man, God's house was where I was found. It was the only place that was going to keep me sustained. Doing the things that I was doing there, playing drums. God used drums to lure me into his house. So when I become 13 and my parents fall apart, I would have him to hold on to. All that from the outside looked like my life was falling apart, but I couldn't have felt any more the opposite. I had every reason not to worship God. And without even noticing, God was keeping me together in the most broken state of my life. His power is truly made perfect in our weakness. When you worship God with what's broken, he gets the chance to be what makes it whole. Don't be afraid to give God your broken life. Psalms 51.17 says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. There could be times where, in your life where you or might be going through a similar situation where you just feel like you have nothing to give God. At that moment, I might have felt like I had nothing to give God, but I did have, I did have my love for playing drums. And I said, God, take it. Use me in this way. I might not have the same whole family that a lot of my friends have but I have my love for drums and man he just used me and used me and used me week in and week out and I just saw people coming to Jesus and that was fulfilling over over anything over having a bedroom over having my own bed over having a family that was together it was God that only mattered only he mattered only the things I was watching him do mattered and it totally masked me from the destruction of my family and you know what? If the same thing is happening or a similar situation is happening, let God deal with that thing. Let God, I just let God deal with my parents. Let God deal with that brokenness. It's not for you to handle. Just give him what you, what you have left, whatever it is. Give it to him. Let him use it. The fruit will multiply and multiply. And from that age all the way until now I'm 30, God has just multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and used it 
to bring people cl- closer to Christ and to keep me in his house. And it's where I'm found. And it's, whoa, that's not good. Don't trip over your gallon of water. <laughs> We've got to worship in our breakthrough, in our brokenness. We've got to worship in our brokenness. One more unlikely time when we should worship is before the breakthrough. I want to go back to Paul and and Silas in prison. And I want to read Acts 16, starting at verse 19 this time, a little bit further in. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us. Romans, to accept or practice. The crowd joined in on the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods after they had been severely flogged. They were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison doors were were flown open and everyone's chains came loose. The most significant part about that story to me is not that Paul and Silas's chains came loose. It's about everybody else in the vicinity. There's power in our praise, not just for our own lives, but for the lives around us. It's not just about you. Coming into a room like this and lifting your hands isn't just about you. It's about the people on the left and your right watching you do that that's actually influential. Watching you actually get on your knees and be humble. There's something about that. I'm only the worshiper that I am because people like Chase Wagner... I watched him him raise his hands when he's in hardship. I watched him look to his God, and he set an example. When Paul and Silas praised and worshiped God, and those prisoners were watching him, all all they were doing was observing him. And their chains came loose because of their praise. If you've got somebody in mind that you need a breakthrough for, praise God before the breakthrough even happens. Because his power is big enough and powerful enough to break those chains. They don't even have to do anything. All you have to do is worship him and praise him. Kenzie shared a story two weeks ago about a breakthrough she experienced. And she wanted the same breakthrough for me. But instead of coming to me, she just praised God for my breakthrough. And randomly in a hotel room by myself, the presence of God floods the room. In In the most unlikely place. I felt nothing other than to get on my knees and praise God for a breakthrough, for a revelation that I didn't even pray for. I didn't even pray for it. Kenzie did. Can I tell you right now, the power of your worship and the power of your praise and the power of your prayers is powerful enough to break the chains of every person in your vicinity, in your, in your co-working space, in your school. Pray for those people. Worship for them. Actually lift your hands. Model it. We can't stand here and just observe anymore. 
We can't do it. That's not changing anything. Can we just humble ourselves from this point forward as we're ending this Heart of Worship series? We should know how to model worship. And it's not a show. It's not the show. It's not. But it is to impact people and influence people to do the same thing because people are being influenced to do the opposite these days. Social media is wrecking everything. But can we come into a place like this and humble ourselves and model so that our children can see this? Our children can see this. There is so much power when you can deny yourself and look to him and model what it looks like to be surrendered. And so today, that should be what changes for us. As I'm concluding here, And David, you can come up and play the keys. As we're concluding here, if you hear me say anything today, now is the time to worship. There's the answer to your question. When do we worship? Now. Now. Every day, all the time, in the most unlikely moments. Choose it. We have a choice. I know it's not easy. I know it's... It's not the first thing you think of to do when, when your parents say that they're splitting up. I know it's not the first thing to do when your children are going the opposite way you want them to go. But choose today to worship now, to worship in every moment. And I think when we do that as a church and as a body of Christ, man, the power in that is nothing can come against it. Nothing could come against the power of Jesus. Nothing could come against the praise of God from his people. So how do we move forward? We set the example. From a series on the heart of worship, I hope that your heart becomes a heart of worship. And I hope that when you come in to an experience like this, that you would have your massive jug of Holy Spirit attached to you. That you could come into here and you could have more enough of the Holy Spirit to lift your hands. And I know it gets tiring and I know it gets hard to do it when you're going through hardships, but without the Holy Spirit jug, that's when it's hard. But let's... Let's get a little dramatic with our jug and pick up the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have more than enough. We're going to have all the praise to give God. And every single person in our vicinity is going to be impacted for Jesus. And lives are going to be changed. And you're going to be able to do it week after week after week after week after week after week. Because you're sustained by the one who sustains you. The only person you are supposed to and made to consume is God. And that is who is going to sustain you. Amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and stand to your feet with me. You know, you might be listening to me and you might be hearing I'm talking about this, this man named Jesus. And maybe yourself, you haven't actually made that first step of committing your life to him and allowing him to become the Lord of your life. And I want to give that opportunity today. And with every head bowed and every eyes closed, I want to 
make sure that we're respecting and being respectful of the people that want to make this decision. And I'm going to count to three. And when I, when I count to three, and you can raise your hands, and this could be the day that you fully surrender to Jesus, and he's the Lord of your life. So one, know that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you and wash you clean with his blood. Two, today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. And so you don't have to have it all together to make this decision. You don't have to be perfect by any means. But you can do this now because today is the day of salvation. Three, if that's you, you can go ahead and lift your hands in this place saying, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. Best decision you'll ever make in your entire life. question I want to ask is for everybody in this room. You might be listening to this message and, and you go, yeah, I'm not really somebody that has chosen to worship in the unlikely moments. But from this day forward, I want to commit to being a worshiper at every moment of my life, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the circumstance. I'm going to worship my God. I'm going to praise my God for the breakthrough of my friends, of my family, of my coworkers. I'm going to be the one that brings that praise into every room I walk into. Go ahead and lift your hands. One, two, three, all across this room. Amen. I want to be that person too. I want to watch God work in a supernatural way in every single soul that I come across because he's that powerful. He's that real and he's that good. back and do a song, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us up. Imagine this room is a huge water jug of the Holy Spirit. We're inside of it, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us right now. So Jesus, fill us up with your Holy Spirit because we can't go anywhere without it. We don't want to leave another room without the Holy Spirit full. We don't want to live another day without being quenched by the thing that we're made to quench by the thing that we're made to consume. We need your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church. 